Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we debunk the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Now, today, we are most definitely going to get into that breastfeeding, some of the real nitty-gritty things that you handle every day, and it has to do with infant communication. And with me today, I have uh, Shannon, uh, who is Shannon Sanford. And Shannon, welcome to the show. Hi, Marie. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Well, likewise. Now, audience, I'll tell you a little bit about, I'll, I'll give you sort of the the formal introduction here, which is that Shannon is an IBCLC, and she is a registered nurse. She has 17 years of experience working in the newborn nursery, as well as the neonatal intensive care unit, the NICU, of a very busy birth facility. Uh, Shannon, however, does not have any feet growing, uh, grass growing under her feet when she finishes work. She also has opened the uh, first lactation center in her area, and it has a baby boutique called We Little Me, which she has had since 2012. And she's recently expanded this to include an online web store. In addition, Shannon also has a mother's support group. So you're probably wondering, how did I get Shannon on the show? Probably you're asking, how do I get all the really great guests that I have on my show? Well, Shannon came in a little different way. Actually, Shannon took a course. Uh, It was my course in Dallas. I think it was my comprehensive course. And we had all these hallway conversations until I realized that Shannon had some really interesting perspectives. It's very seldom that I pluck anybody out of my course to come on my show, but I just think she's got some really good insights here to share with you because she's been around the block more than once and she's very, uh, very able to know where the rubber beats the road. And to that extent, I want to talk today about nonverbal communication with babies, infants, uh, maybe even small children. So, Shannon, when we think about nonverbal communication, we usually think about what adults do. They fold their arms in front of them or they, uh, you know, do some oddball thing, which we would consider a nonverbal uh, behavior, nonverbal communication. But babies don't really do that. So would you say nonverbal communication? What exactly do you mean? Well, um, I, I start with, you know, when we look at, the definition of communication, we talk about exchanging meaning mm. or messages between mm. individuals, uh, yes. what's most commonly associated with words, spoken or written. But I'm always looking at these little babies, and I'm realizing that they don't use our words. I'm not sure <laughs> how many of our words they understand or not, or shall soon, but if the only method of communication that we're willing to attempt to use with them is our words, 
we are going to walk away from every interaction frustrated almost 100% of the time. And so I... um, I've learned that the art of nonverbal communication is how we have to take gestures and expressions and Mm. body Mm. language and tones of voice, and we have to assign meaning without using these spoken or written words. And um, I think, truthfully, it's kind of almost embarrassing to me, but long (laughs) after I had already become a credentialed lactation consultant, I began to... um, listen and learn how animal trainers were teaching different breeds uh, of animals to do the kinds of things they needed to do. And it began to dawn on me that our babies are not animals, of course, we're humans, but it's a similar mechanism. You've got to learn how, what am I trying to help this this baby understand? And equally, if not more importantly, what is this baby trying to help how does this baby respond, and what do they want me to understand? Mm-hmm. Because without two-way meaning, we're not going to have communication. And in order to have an enjoyable breastfeeding experience, we've got to have successful communication. Absolutely. You know, Shannon, I, I don't remember talking to you about this part before, but you bring up the animals. And, of course, as we dichotomize the living beings in this world, we've got plants and we've got animals. Well, you and I are not plants, babies are not plants, but puppies and babies are are certainly animals, albeit humans are the highest class of animals, but nonetheless, I think that anybody would say, sure, they've seen little puppies or little kitties or whatever who we begin to understand what they're trying to tell us, maybe because we've been around other little puppies, maybe because we've just seen that behavior enough, maybe because we figured it out. But the truth mm-hmm. is, um, yeah, you know, there were some really, really good stories. Uh, I shouldn't say stories, but rather studies that have been done on, for instance, the separation distress call. And I won't steal the show here because I know you want to talk about other things, but they have mapped that to what the human baby does, which is in, in mm-hmm. which is very similar to what like the baby bear cub or whatever would do in the woods mm-hmm. when it has mm-hmm. lost its mother. And so as I hear you talking, I'm thinking, well, yeah, you know, this is... This is something that is probably inborn in the baby. Well, it is inborn in the baby. And so our job begins to be, uh, we just got to figure it out. So, Shannon, let me ask you this. I have often said that just because babies don't talk doesn't mean that they don't have a message. I'm gathering that you would agree. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they got a message. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, and Mary, no two babies are going to communicate exactly the same, just like <laughs> right. I could own 20 cars and no two of them are going to drive exactly the same. Each one is right. its own experience. Um, and, and it's so complex, the thing going on there between the mother and the child. But what I'm trying to facilitate is helping the baby. I always tell these moms, all right, it's your baby's job to breastfeed. And it's your job to be available and accessible. Mm. And the sooner we help your baby learn their job, the easier your job becomes. And while I'm doing this, I observed that what I'm indirectly doing is I'm building a foundation for this mother and this child 
to have meaningful communication so that they have a, a deeper relationship of understanding. And I think that's in the future going to cross into many other areas of their whole interactions with each other throughout their life course. But it's, you know, priorities are in order and a newborn has to be warm, a newborn has to breathe, a newborn has to eat, you know, and so these are some of the first and fundamental uh, tasks that have to be accomplished. And it amazes me that in the beginning days and weeks, parents turn to the doctors and the nurses and the lactation <laughs> yeah, they do. family <laughs> as the expert in everything, but just a mere two months later, you go and visit with this family, and I, I feel helpless about what their child's saying, but their little baby, you know, squeak, wiggle, whatever, and they're like, oh, he's he's hungry, oh, he's dirty, oh, he's tired, and it amazes me how fast I see these relationships of communication and this understanding between the mother and the child evolve, but I also tell moms, we're all kind of independent, free-thinking people, and those babies are tiny humans, and they don't want to be forced or coerced to do things when they're not ready, Mm -hmm. or they don't Mm -hmm. see the value and the importance in it anymore, then you want me to force you to learn to do something that you don't think is worth your time or effort, or that you think is, for some reason, a stressful or an unpleasant event. So the key is courting that baby through that journey until they master their own skills and they think it's their own idea. (laughs) 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 Even as adults, we all like to think it's our own idea. Shannon, I I know that this isn't quite where you plan to go, but I'm going to throw it at you anyway. I have found interacting with hundreds, if not thousands of parents, they think that when the baby cries, that that is the nonverbal behavior that they're supposed to be looking for. And I absolutely agree. Uh, That is a nonverbal behavior. We absolutely need to recognize it, respond to it, and all of that. But my sense is that you're talking about those much more subtle things because you mentioned the squeaking and the wiggling and whatnot. Yes? Oh, absolutely. You know, assessing readiness to learn is important because I often imagine if I – suddenly said, hey, Marie, I want you to come and love tennis. I want to take you out to the tennis court. We're going to go shoot, you know, knock a few balls around and have a great time. But for whatever reason, I go to pick you up and you're deeply distracted by others' emotions, other experiences, other needs. Mm. You know, your head mm. hurts, you're recovering from surgery, you just got bad family news, you're whatever, and you're right, feeling right. cheerful. Um, is that the best time for me to drag you out to the tennis court eh, and ignore what so you're much. trying to say <laughs> and try to, to, to force you into enjoying the game of tennis with me? You know, probably not. And if I did that to you three, four, five, six, seven, or many more times in a row without respecting where you're at emotionally, you're going to get to the point. You're going to say, oh, no, here she comes again. Why do we keep doing this? This is so miserable for me. I'm not enjoying this. You know, and so I'm going to have to be willing to listen to you and respect it. Okay, Marie's not in the mood to come to the tennis court with me today. So let me meet her where she's at. Let me achieve her needs. And I want to throw in there real quick, and I I can't, I wish I could claim credit for this. I can't. I have a dear friend, (laughs) lactation consultant in Amarillo named Barbara Stone, and she uses this all the time. Uh, She says, Shannon, not every cry means hunger. Crying is the most effective way the newborn has to communicate, but crying can mean many, many different things. It can mean, I'm tired, I'm sore, uh, my diaper's too tight and it's binding my leg, uh, yep. you're holding me in a way that's uncomfortable, I'm overstimulated, maybe you 
could please put me down for a minute? Uh, I need to burp. Um, I, where are you? I, I, where's my daddy? You know, yeah, uh, here's another one is I'm lonely. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. when she teaches her breastfeeding courses, she tells everybody at the top of this uh, two-hour course, she'll say, great, you know, I, I want you all to learn. I want you to ask questions. I want to interact with you. But um, I, I brought a plate of uh, mini donuts here, little powdered sugar donuts. Who likes donuts? You know, everybody raises their hand. She goes, now, <laughs> here's the thing. We're going to learn. But every time you ask me a question, I'm going to run over and just cram a donut in your mouth. <laughs> I'm not going to let you. I'm not. I mean, every I time to talk, I'm gonna, while you're still talking, I'm going to cram a donut in your mouth, you know, and I'm not ever going to listen to you. Who's going to like that? You know, and at first, some people say, oh, well, I love donuts. You can give me donuts. Goes, yeah, but I'm never going to let you finish your sentence. Every time you talk to me, I'm going to put another donut in your mouth, you know, and people go, well, I might not like that because maybe I need to say something important. She goes, what? You might need a break. You might need to know where the restroom is. You might want to tell me the room's too hot. You might have a really deep question you didn't understand, but if I don't take the time to listen to you and I just assume that every time you try to communicate with me, you're hungry, so I'm going to go cram another donut in your mouth. We're not really communicating, are we? And so I thought, wow, that's powerful. That is very powerful. And remember, too, that the word communication starts with C-O-M, and it comes from the Latin communicare, and it, it by definition, it involves a, a two-way kind of thing. Hey, everybody, don't go away, because when Shannon comes back, she's going to talk to us about what we need to actually do when that baby is not ready to learn. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff 
or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuto, and I am here today with Shannon Sanford. Uh, I'd just like to remind all of you that I will be in several cities coming up. I will be just outside of New York City. I will be in, I think, Baltimore. I will be in Boston. And by November, I will be in the greater Dallas area. And although Shannon is actually not in the greater Dallas area. That's not where she lives. That is where I met her. So uh, I feel really compelled to remind people that I will be running some live courses. And it's, well, as you can tell, it's more than just the course. Sometimes there are the hallway conversations that are so hugely meaningful. So, Shannon, this is all well and good. You know, I agree with you. I think that sometimes the baby isn't ready to learn. I think that sometimes the parent isn't ready to learn. But the question is, you still got to make sure that the baby gets fed and truth be told, you know, you can still change his diaper whether he's ready to learn or not. But what do you do with the situations where the baby does have to eat? He's maybe not ready to learn, but how do you suggest what do you do when that baby is just not ready to learn yet? Oh, that's a great question, Marie, and that actually embodies the very art of what an IBCLC is there to to provide for mothers and children, which are current evidence-based plans and recommendations to help mother and child navigate through that journey. And, you know, in addition to practicing privately where I get to guide mothers and babies of many different ages, I also spend a part, a large portion of my time rounding in a birth facility where I'm oh, frequently right. working with the youngest of infants. And yep. so my recommendations are very similar but very different. So let's, let's talk more about that younger infant. Uh, first sure. and foremost, I encourage lots of skin-to-skin time. You know, Absolutely. I'm a firm believer that, that mothers... Mother's chest is that baby's habitat, and that baby needs to rest and heal 
from the mechanism of being born. I tell the mom, you know, I, I love to interview them and get their birth story, and then I remind them, well, your baby went through the same labor and has had the same birth, <laughs> just from mm. a slightly different perspective. And right. we don't know, is your baby's neck sore, back stiff, uh, head hurting? We're not quite sure, you know, if you had a many, many days or hours of labor. Um, I remind the moms that if they got lots of IV fluids, their baby came born to the world, very well hydrated, and natural thirst is one of the drives that cues the mm. baby it's time to go out and search for food. So I reassure right. them, you know, your baby's going to be okay, your baby's got to suck to survive, and eventually they're going to get rested, recovered, and thirsty, and they're going to work harder. But until they start doing that, where we can see it with confidence. Now, the easy way to know this is if you're holding that baby close. Or it's been, a, mm-hmm. you know, an hour or two, and we haven't invited that baby to come to the breast. Uh, we're listening for soft, small vocal sounds. And that's when the baby's starting to stir around and make those little sweet, you know, <laughs> little noises. And then those yes. are soon followed by the more obvious signs. You know, the licking of the lips or smacking of the lips, mm, beginning yes. to bring the hands and fists up to the mouth. Um Searching, that's, I think the medical word for that would be rooting, but I think moms often like to call it searching behaviors, where they see that baby kind of shaking their head or swinging their head back and forth, uh, turning toward the right, turning toward the left, opening their mouth and seeking for something to put in it. I mean, those are the very most obvious moments when the baby's saying, hello, I'm thinking about my mouth here. It's a great time (laughs) to offer me something. (laughs) But um, at the same time, if they're... You know, if they're just sleeping, and that's frequently what a mom's working with, is a baby that transitions maybe from sleep to late hunger, which is crying very quickly. And, you know, who who wants to learn something new and difficult when you're hangry? And so, uh, but if it's a sleepy baby, I'm going to take time, I'm going to spend about five to ten good minutes inviting that baby to be awake. Um, yes. I'm looking for participation. I don't, you know, I am an adult thinker, and therefore I have the ultimate goal in mind, which is successful latch, effective transfer of milk for, you know, a long period of time equaling a satisfied baby. But my baby doesn't always see that. So I'm asking that baby to actively participate at whatever level they're capable of giving me. So I'm going to start that that invitation for that sleeping baby. I'm going to unwrap them. I'm going to see if that just naturally wakes them up on their own to have their warm covers taken away. Uh, We're going to check the diaper and see if that's a nice excuse to kind of um, stimulate them a little bit more in a manner of necessity uh, to kind of wake them up. I might gently roll them to the right side and hold them for a few moments and then gently roll them to the left side and hold them for a few moments, changing their sense of balance. I give them a light little baby rub, uh, a back rub or a belly massage, Mm, Uh, I stroke their feet, I raise them up and hold them vertical, I place them on mother's chest, I get their hands out of the little clothes and mittens, or I I take their shirt off and lay them on mom's chest. You know, I, I, I literally press the baby politely, but persistently for a good five or ten minutes and see how they react. Some of them sleep right through it. They never rouse or stir. (laughs) They never manifest rooting cues. They never, you know, if you gently stroke their lips or cheeks to stimulate that rooting reflex or that searching reflex, they completely ignore you like they're oblivious to the fact. And I tell them, 
clearly your baby's not thinking about their mouth. They're not ready to come to your breast. Um, you know, we've been pushing your baby pretty hard now for, for five, you know, for almost 10 minutes, and your baby seems pretty determined to tell me that he needs to sleep right now more than he needs to eat. So, but here's the thing, the Shannon. Answer, None of, those things, none of those things out. are going to, you're not going to be able to make any progress if you have the baby parked over on the warmer somewhere. Clearly, oh, you have the baby with the mother, even though you're helping him to sort of come awake or go back to sleep, whatever he wants to. But I, I always say it's really hard to get that baby to breastfeed when he's 40 feet away. It just doesn't work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, Marie, I call it the restaurant. You know, they got to have oh. the baby up at mother's chest <laughs> in the middle of the restaurant. <laughs> I have so, never heard that. That's up. good, Shannon. It's, it's not always what the baby chooses to say to us how we choose to respond to the baby, you know, and sometimes the baby wakes up, but the baby gets distracted by a burp or, you know, oh, oh, I, I sometimes I must think in their mind, maybe they're thinking, oh, oh, I have a strange sensation down below. What does this mean? It feels funny. What am I supposed to do? And they'll get all worked up and panicky, you know, and then a few moments later, eventually they'll so, wet or dirty a diaper and then they just oh, relax again. Like, okay, okay. So, Shannon, how do you help the, obviously, you recognize some of this stuff in the early moments. I'm hearkening back to my own experience in labor and delivery, you know, uh, I feel always very strongly that, first of all, I've always told the parent, if the baby doesn't do anything more than lick and play, I consider that a huge, like, go to the front of the class, okay? Absolutely. Uh, that's active participation. Absolutely. That's engagement. Absolutely. And that's all I'm asking that baby to do is yep. give, a, yep. give me as much as you're capable of giving me right now, and I, I'm going to not stress you out beyond your window of opportunity because you're calm, you're, you're safe, right. you're not upset, you're practicing or actively doing something, uh, whether it's just being quiet, alert, and looking at us and thinking and not, not crying and frowning and pushing back. You know, you're just there and you're happy oh, yeah. and you feel safe. That, that's so, so, so far so good. But I think that sometimes parents think that the baby is just going to instantly just jump right on, hop right on, and, and you know, it's like going to a bar and ordering a beer and guzzling it on down. It just doesn't really happen that way. It just doesn't. But Shannon, how do you help the parent to recognize exactly what the baby is trying to communicate? Because parents always, I shouldn't say always, but they frequently think it's about hunger. And sometimes it is about hunger, but sometimes yes. it's about something else. So how do you well, help them distinguish? Well, one thing I try to do, Marie, is I find it's, you know, easy for me to just kind of storm into the room as the voice of authority and just say, you know, oh, let's do this. Let's not do that. Let's, um, um, but one thing I will do is I articulate, I verbalize out loud a lot of what I'm doing and why. Um, and then when I'm observing the baby's behavior, um, I try not to assign the meaning to it. I try to take a lot of time to ask the mom, kind of guide the mom and the dad or the parents, uh, caregivers through what I'm observing and see if they can make the right conclusions because I find that 99 times out of 100, they do. Intuitively, yeah. women are wise and it's there whether the confidence is there to go with it because I can say, now, mom, uh, do you think your baby looks interested in 
coming to the breast? Is your baby responding to us? Is your baby awake? Is your baby thinking about the mouth? You know, um, if the baby's crying, um, maybe we have inadvertently gone into a distress mode. Um, One of the first things I do is if I'm not already at mother's uh, chest, I quickly bring the baby to the chest and tell the baby, you're safe, I'm sorry, I'm not asking you to get scared or upset. If I'm hurting you, forgive me. Here, go to your mom, tell her all about it, let her calm you down. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and just kind of let that baby begin to understand that they're safe. Then we also look at their expressions. You know, the human face can manifest many, many different moods and emotions by our expressions. And babies are little humans, and they're making many kinds of expressions. We spend a lot of time asking moms, look at your baby. What do you think that expression means? Um the youth. And, sometimes and, it's, and so, even if I sometimes don't, I personally feel like I agree with my mom's impression. I try to trust that mom because I want her to learn to trust herself. Trust herself. And I, I agree. take the time yeah. to follow her lead and maybe time out my thoughts or my agenda to trust her and give her that time up. Sometimes I put an awake, calm baby down on her in her arms, on her chest, and I just tell her, you know, she'll say, well, what are we doing? I'll go, we're just waiting on the baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Your baby's absolutely. perfectly content. Your baby's fully alert. Your baby's not falling asleep. So technically, your baby's doing everything I'm inviting them to do right now. And I want to progress. Oh, I like low. that line. I like that line. Technically, that baby is doing everything I'm asking him to do right now, which is basically just hang out and be happy. And I guess, too, yes. that for me, uh, it's always... Hard for me to not tell the parent what I'm thinking, but I try to start with the words, do you see, or I can see, and then I just point out the behavior, and that I think helps parents to become more aware of, uh, they don't even necessarily need to tell me at the moment, but I think it really heightens people's awareness, and we all know that awareness oh, yeah. is one of the one of the first uh, points of learning. Hey, everybody, don't go away. Shannon and I will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso with Born to be Breastfed, and I'm here today with Shannon Sanford. Shannon, you have really talked to us a lot about that nonverbal behavior, and I love what you said just before we went to break when you said, technically, the baby is doing everything I've asked him to do. I loved that one. But let's talk for a minute about verbal communication. Uh, How is verbal communication important in these interactions? Well, you know, I, I... I'm going to have to go with my own anecdotal experiences here because I yep, don't think I absolutely. could back this up with any hardcore research because I don't think it's out there. But That's okay. um, I will tell you this. For the years, I've been facilitating a breastfeeding support group for eight years. I've been in right. practice now for over nine years. And I stand amazed at how mothers tell me these children as they turn into little two and little three and little four-year-olds, um, get all excited when they come stop by my yellow house. They get happy. And um, I know sometimes during the breastfeeding uh, group, there will be a nine- or a ten-month-old just cutting up a rug, fussing, and, and to the point it eventually might get a tad distracting. And as I look over, the mother will say, she's trying to get your attention and you haven't spoken to her yet. You know what I'm thinking? Uh-huh. Really, this nine-month-old is upset because I haven't <laughs> made eye contact and got down and said, hi, Hannah, how are you? You know, and um, I would begin to do these things. And it was amazing to me that these children were I could interacting with me. And then I had a dear friend um, firmly use infant sign language from one of the youngest oh, ages yes. I've ever seen. Oh, and yes. I began to see 
a nine-month-old baby having a conversation with her mother through sign, it was a very primitive thought process, but I'm going to give an example of two in, uh, real quick that stuck with me. Um, you know, I want, I want to go outside. I want to play with rocks. You know, it was primitive words, not the string of sentence. And the mother was like, I know you like to go outside. I know you like to play with rocks, but we're playing inside now. <laughs> and so a minute or two passed, and the child asked for shoes. I want my shoes. I want my shoes. And the mom was like, well, why do you need your shoes? And the child, the baby's reply is cold, feet cold. So the Uh mother put the shoes on and and then a minute or two later, the child's like, shoes outside, outside. And uh, Uh in her mind, she was right back to wanting to be outside to the rocks. But she knew that the shoes was a step of the process. Absolutely. And uh, that began to amaze me because I was like, I didn't realize these young babies were thinking this oriented when structured, when we can hear them. And um, I began noticing that the more I talk to the infants, like when I start consults, where no matter what location I'm at, I take the time to talk to the babies. And it amazes me. I'll be picking them up to weigh them, and I'll tell them, I'm going to lay you on my scale. You're going to be safe. It might be a little cool. It might be a little hard. But it'll just be for a moment. You're going to hear a little beep. The less you wiggle, the faster (laughs) we hear the beep. And then I'm going to pick you up and give you to your mom. And um, we began, me and the moms began noticing that as they come for follow-up visits or weight checks, the babies almost like kind of almost remember where they're at. And they always say, you know, wow, they don't cry when they're here. Wow, it's like they know they're going to eat good when they're here. So I just decided that... I'm hearkening back to first year in nursing school. They always told us, you tell the patient what you're going to do. Well, in this case, the baby is the patient, and you're just telling yeah. him what you're going to do. I guess oh, yeah. it really upholds and that learned, principle. You know, if the baby's crying and I hand it to the father, I, so I often tell the dad as he's walking around the room trying to, you know, use his dad's skills to calm that baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I often ask him, tell your son what's happening explain to him what we're inviting him to do and, you know, prepare him to know that when he calms down, you're going to hand him back to mom and mom's going to take him to the milk. And we're going to let him explore getting milk, if you know. And I, I don't know, I just, I feel like that verbally communicating with the child is got helpful. to be helpful because and again, it also anecdotal that's okay no I always Shannon you came to my course I'm sure at some point I said that one uh, nurse's observations do not a study make but one nurse's observations over several decades are worth listening to and that's oh, so absolutely. true but you know the the message that I get from what you're saying here really is that we underestimate what those kids are seeing hearing or how they're processing the information. I think we really do underestimate that. But you gave me a really good opening to talk about other caregivers. Uh, I find that a lot of times the the mother or the parents have this in hand. They know that w- what their baby is telling them. But it's other people who are caregivers who say, oh, that baby is hungry again. Oh, she, she's still hungry. Oh, no, she's not. You know, how do you... How do you help the breastfeeding parents to manage other caregivers with their baby? Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense, Marie. And I like to think, hopefully, that if it was one that I got the privilege of guiding, that now they've become the teacher and they can take yes. some of the same skills forward to their caregiver. But really, they really do have to take the, 
the leadership role in teaching mm-hmm. the caregiver about their child. You know, I, I appreciate, like I hear you, I hear you, and that makes sense to me, but little Tommy doesn't uh, usually respond well to that idea. Let me explain to you what he does when blah, 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 blah. Uh, here's how I've begun to notice that he's overstimulated or he's excessively tired and he really needs you know, for us to wind down and go to a quiet room, um, or especially hunger cues. You know, I tell that mom all the time, you know, you can control what you're doing with your milk supply when you're separated or at work or something, but what you can't always control is what's happening over there at the babysitter's home. And that is more important to your long-term success than anything you choose to do at your work. So it's vitally important that they understand how do you know when your baby's hungry? And equally as important, how do you know when your baby is satisfied? I was just going to say that. (laughs) Yes. Unnecessarily over overfeeding your baby and putting unrealistic burdens on you to have to maintain day to day when you're off working. And, oh, you just uh, got so my mind on that one. Because, Shannon, there is, some, uh, there is some research out there that shows, and I'm sorry, I cannot quote this one chapter and verse, but there is some research out there that shows that kids who are in some sort of childcare situation are more likely to be overfed. And hello, if you are more likely to be overfed, you're more likely to be obese. And I'm sure you don't need me to go on my obesity tangent here. But, <laughs> you, you know, you're so right that it's not just looking at the hunger cues. It's looking at the satiety or satiation or satisfaction action cues that's so, so important. And and remembering that the breastfed babies often got a a, a lot of close physical connection to their mom and they are used to being held a lot. And Uh, when they're separated from their mom, they're just not familiar with maybe being fed, diapered, and laid in the crib for another hour and a half or two hours until it's your turn again. They're used to being held, carried Many of them are baby-worn. Many of them may be cloth-diapered, which may involve a slightly more frequent diaper changes because, you know, every little every little wet is held right. to the skin where right. a pamper pulls it. And so helping them understand Different. that, again, not every cry is hunger. And I'll, here's another one. I tell them, look, you could go to work for eight or nine hours and not eat or drink a thing. Then you could come home and feast on all you wanted for the mm-hmm. rest of the day and, uh, and, and the night. And you would never get malnourished and you would never get dehydrated and neither so will true. your baby. But you're not going to be very happy or very pleasant to be around. And so feeding <laughs> <the meanwhile> <laughs> separated is comfort and mercy and not the vital link in the nutritional survival and success of your baby because your baby is going to get 24-hour access to the restaurant, which can meet those hunger and thirst needs beautifully. What we want to do is give them enough food that baby is happy and satisfied, and it's really kind of kindness for the caregiver and their stress level, but not sure. but sure. not disrespecting the reality that mm-hmm. those feedings alone aren't the critical element in your baby's maintaining a growth chart. <laughs> So they're just basically going to have to take the time to teach, explain. Yep. yep. So, Shannon, let me ask you the hard question. Um, yes, ma'am. I, I did more than my share of working in the newborn nursery. And there were kids that I would pick up and I would say, honey, I do not know what's wrong with you. You are fed and dry and, and diapered and and uh, burped and this and that and the other thing. And you're still crying and I just don't know what's wrong with you. What do you do with kids like that? <laughs> Well, those are the situations where you have to say, well, we're going together. We're going to wait it out. Um, <laughs> I, I think 
I think children need to be close to their caregiver because they can't tell if if the caregiver is two feet away or two miles away. And obviously, sure. if they're in a distress mode from whatever is bothering them, pain, emotional fear, uh, whatever, they need to feel that a caregiver is close and hears them and cares about them. But, you know, if my caregiver's gotten to that emotional moment where they like, I've had enough, I need a time yep. out, the mother, not yep. the child, <laughs> then I'm like, well, I want that baby in a safe place like their crib, and I want you to take those two to five 10 minutes, whatever, to go walk outside and have a glass of tea or run, take a quick shower and, and then get back to, you know, being with the child. But you're right, Marie. Sometimes they're going to do everything they know to do. You're fed, you're burped, you're clean. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to do. You know, we go through Dr. Harvey Cart's uh, oh, yeah. happiest baby on the block. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Swaddling sideline, shushing, sucking, swaying. Yeah, you know, Shannon, part of outdoors. <laughs> Right, right. I think part of what yeah. I want to communicate here is that parents sometimes think that just because you're a nurse or you're an IBCLC or you're a person with a college degree yeah. or whatever, that somehow you've got some genius answer. And the an- the truth is that there are times when I I have no idea how many kids that I have picked up in my day, but uh, there are kids that I just plain don't know what's wrong with them, and uh, at least in the early days. uh, But I agree with you. Uh, The the presence is helpful. So at least in the early days, the skin-to-skin, a lot of times you'll see those kids settle down when they can do skin-to-skin. But if not, it might be a baby carrier. It might be rocking, all of those kinds of things. And I also just wanted to make another point that you were talking talking about uh, with this too, is that remember, we've had shows where we've said that there are things that can ail kids that we don't necessarily see. That baby could have had some sort of birth trauma that we may not see, but that doesn't mean it's not there. And so he could have some sort of pain or whatever that just because Mm -hmm. we can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. And so we've really got to be able to, just like we would with an adult, to try to think what would comfort them and how can we keep our own sanity at the same time. Hey, everybody, uh, do not go away because I will be right back with Shannon Sanford after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Shannon Sanford, and we're talking about nonverbal communication. Hey, Shannon, there's one thing that we really haven't talked about because so often, I agree with you, I think that licking and playing and I call it being in the kitchen, you call it being in the restaurant. I love that. (laughs) And, you know, having the baby over on the warmer definitely does not qualify as being in the kitchen or in the restaurant. But at the same time, I don't know that we have really addressed this other piece, which as you know, I had the great, great privilege of working many years with Dr. Ruth Lawrence, the the one and only great Dr. Ruth Lawrence. And she said something to me more than once, which was so powerful. She said, you cannot starve the baby into submission. And I have never forgotten those words. I live by them. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Oh, absolutely, Marie. Um This is true because at the same time that we're trying to build a solid foundation of trust so that that baby trusts us each and every time and that uh, conditioning and learning that even if he he or she doesn't understand what we're doing or why, something good is about to happen and that it's worth their time and effort because... Uh, the reward is flowing. So I always say, we're never going to starve a baby into breastfeeding. We're going to feed a baby into breastfeeding. And so, mm-hmm. again, the mother needs to understand she's alleviated of responsibility for her baby's choice in any moment. It's either going to happen or it's not. If it's not, mother can choose to then take another action, which is protect her milk supply by breast sure. stimulation with hand expression and or pumping. And eventually that results in, you know, nutrition for the baby that we can begin providing, uh, 
we don't even have to use bottles. We can use syringe feeding, finger feeding, um, and things of this nature. And until we can get this baby's um, chain of progress to the point where we're getting effective feeding latches, but I tell moms there's no expiration date on breastfeeding. I mean, yes, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure baby read the owner's manual and came out of the womb ready to go. But you know, they come out of the womb sleepy, stuffy noses. Yep. muscles, fill in the blank, yep. and they're, and eventually they are going to get hungry. And if they're hangry, it's a horrible time to try to learn something new. So we're going to sure. build that trust sure. that we're going to feed them. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it's, I tell them, I don't know if it's going to take another few hours, another few days, maybe in an extreme situation, a few weeks. But I know this, there's no expiration date. I've seen babies of many different ages begin accepting and preferencing the breast. Absolutely. And so we have no... Um, no hesitations, it seems, often about plucking all sorts of shapes of artificial things like bottles and pacifiers in their little mouths. And we should have no hesitations to plunk a mother's breast into their little mouth, uh, whether the baby wants to maybe accidentally think it's a toy or a pacifier. But there are vitally important differences there. Mother's breast is warm, textured, soft, and pliable. All those artificial things are stiff, cold, smooth, and rigid. <laughs> and if I can yes. just get that baby to accept that mother's nipple, I'm already winning the war. I might not Absolutely. be winning the battle, but I'm winning the war because whether it's meal time, not meal time, mother pump, baby's due to eat, I don't care. If that mother and that baby even once or twice a day find some moments of pleasure and peace and comfort with that nipple and that mouth, we are making progress. And it will evolve quickly to effective feeding if we can just get that baby to trust that trust the journey feel safe in the habitat, believe that the good things are being provided to meet their hunger and thirst needs. And they're they're hardwired to breastfeed and they'll get Absolutely. to it. If we don't if we don't create right. what I like to call post traumatic breast syndrome, which is really mm. challenging for mother and child. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I will sometimes demonstrate in a class is the, especially the class that is going before lunch. You know, I say to people, how many of you are hungry? Oh, well, yeah. Okay, so how many of you want me to bring out the neuroscience part right now? And they're like, no. You know, it was because that's the really tough part. That's the the, yes. the part that's the hardest to learn. Uh, so, yes. and I try to say to them, all right, you just try to think about this. If you were a baby your best learning does not come when you're hungry or when you're cold or when you're in pain or when you're whatever. But uh, Shannon, I'm going to go off script here for just a small minute and we don't have a lot of minutes left. So maybe you can uh, give a short answer to this, but do you think that the anxiety of the mother or any of the caregivers in the room has to do with the anxiety level of the baby? We, we, I don't think we got oh. any research, on this, but what do you think? I would have to go with yes, because the baby's existence <laughs> yeah. has been inside the mother. They're intricately connected, and that's fight or flight survival. Uh, you know, oh, my mom's nervous. You know, something's going to come and chase us or eat us or tote us away. And, and yeah. I do think, you know, yeah. if we can calm the mom down, that's why I tell mom, it's okay. I don't care what your baby's answer is. It's okay. It's not, you're not responsible for her answer. You <laughs> did your part. Now you're, you're going to protect the milk for her and keep the meal size adequately stimulated and prepared because eventually she'll do her part, and I want your body to be ready when that happens. 
You're not responsible for the baby's response. I love that. That is, boy, talk about lift a big burden off from the mother. Shannon, we've only got a, a minute or so left here. Um, how can we? How can we find you? And, Me? and I well, know that, yeah, we need to find you and your website. Talk to us a little bit about it. Okay, well, I'm down in Bryan College Station, Texas, and uh, my my baby, lactation center baby boutique is called We Little Me. We are on Facebook. There are only two We Little Me's. One is in Russia. Clearly, that is not me. I'm the one in Texas, <laughs> the yellow house on the corner. My web store is WeLittleMeOnline.com, and I am... Uh, accessible. I carry myself on. I personally respond to all the messages coming through my through my store and through my Facebook page. And my cell phone is 979-229-1175. And I love, nothing I enjoy more than helping moms figure out how they can enjoy breastfeeding because I want them to do it. And if they don't enjoy it, I, they're not going to do it. So I tell them, we got to find a path for you to enjoy what you're doing so that you'll want to keep doing it because I know it's best for both of you. <laughs> absolutely. And I know with absolute certainty how passionate that uh, Shannon is about this. Shannon, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight. Oh, I'm so glad. But of course, that's all the time that we have today. But before we sign off, I would just like you to all remember that we will be having a next a next show next week. Well, that will probably be when the next next show is, okay? But I'd like to thank you for listening to Born to be Breastfed and invite you to come back for those shows. We've got some great guests lined up, so don't miss it. Now, if you're a professional and you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web, and sometimes in your city. My courses and tons of resources and my blog and much more are available at my professional site, and that's breastfeedingoutlook.com and also mariebiancuso.com. You probably want me to spell that. It's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O.com. And I am Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday right here on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.